Hello, and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Today, I wanted to talk about the new creature, Jesus coming out of the wilderness, him stepping out and how things instantly were changed. And it was like, wow, this, this guy's different. You know, just as the Israelites went in as slaves into the wilderness, then they came out as, a, as the people of God, a nation of kings and priests who were moving in supernatural power in the battles that they started to fight into their promised land. Jesus goes out into the wilderness after he's baptized by cousin John. And the voice of the father is heard above him. This is my, you know, this is the only begotten son, the, the mon- monogamous, the, you know, the one of a kind son. The spirit in the form of what looked like a dove comes and is upon him and immediately leads him out into the wilderness. But he comes back he, as he had been known as Jesus of, Naz- of Nazareth, the carpenter's son. He comes back different. Like, this guy's different. Something's changed, you know? And it's very much a picture for us to see. And so I want to look into that um, today. But there's a really beautiful verse in Isaiah 9-2, and it's somewhat of a discreet, um, obscure verse, but it was fulfilled in what we'll talk about today. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death Upon them, a light has shined. And it's this beautiful prophecy, a sentence or two, that's talking about God has been manifested on this little coastline in the Middle East. And it's the story of of Mark chapter 1. We've read some of Mark 1, you know. The wilderness portion of Mark, when he gets baptized, you know, is is so short. It's 113. It says he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, was with the wild beasts and the angels, ministered to him. And then and it just kind of moves on. You know, he comes out of the wilderness in power. But I want to talk about him coming into this, this coastal region, this uh, Capernaum, and, and how he comes manifest um, as something different. Something's changed about this guy. Something that even his brothers and his family had never seen before. And um, I think it's, it's interesting for us to see, but he comes out in Mark 1. He's out of the wilderness. He calls some more of his disciples to him. It says in verse 21, they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered a synagogue and taught. First thing he does is go into the, go into the synagogue. First thing you know, that we have listed here is that he goes into the, the religious authority, the religious structure. And he comes up to the front, apparently, and he sits down as I'm doing, and he actually starts to teach. Verse 22 says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. Um, This is, you know, authority, something that was foreign inside of the religious machine. It didn't make sense. Um, This is anointing. Anointing is someone who is walking in relationship to God who's on the inside of them. This is basic New Testament Christianity, you know. And 
when he talks, his words are felt, not just heard. This isn't like the scribes, you know. You know, this is pointing to something. This is, there's something more to it. There's authority in it. Um, something that was foreign to them. It says, now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, leave us alone. What have we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus quickly rebukes him. And he tells him, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of the guy. They were, then they were all amazed so that they questioned amongst themselves, what is this? What new doctrine is this? Like, this is different. For with authority he commands the unclean spirits and they actually obey him. They listen to him. So here's that saying by them again inside of the religious organization. It's just like they've stepped into this place and, and it's just like something's different about this guy. But it's like, yo, there's authority here. And this is, really, this is really a demonstration of what spirit-filled, real Christianity looks like versus that which is just a form of religion, you know, that denies the power of God, you know. And um, there's such a major contrast of it. Now, we know here there's no such thing as Christianity that's not spirit-filled Christianity. There, it's, there, like, that's just... I, Calm yourself down, buddy, but it's, it's really talking to myself. It's like, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as spirit-filled Christianity. That's just what Christianity is. That's what the whole thing's about. And when you look through all of the prophets, look through everything that was foretold, like Joel 2, you know, I'll, you know, it will come to pass afterwards that I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. The sons and daughters will prophesy. There's connection to God and release of his words through everybody, boys and girls. Your young men and your old men will dream dreams and see visions. There's connections of God that was, that was designated almost exclusively to the prophets. It's going to be for everybody. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 33, you know. Um, Ezekiel 36, 26, right? Um, or 26, 36, sorry. Uh, all these, Isaiah 59, this will be my covenant. I'm not going to remember their sins anymore, but my spirit, which is upon you, Isaiah, it's going to be upon all of them. My words will be in their mouth from this time forevermore. Like all of these passages, all these, and there's so many more throughout the Old Testament, we're talking about New Testament Christianity is people who are, yes, they're cleansed and released of sin. That's a portion, but they're empowered as carriers of God by His Spirit to release God into the world. Amen. And there is, that's like the definition of what Christianity is, man. You know what I mean? So there's really nothing else. But, but they're like, what is, this, what is this new doctrine? What is this? We're actually not powerless. It's shocking that there were demonic beings at home inside of, their, inside of the church that it's just like, this is, un, this is unheard of that somebody here could actually route that. You know what I mean? One, that it would even cause it to manifest for what it was because it would just stay hidden inside of people. You know what I'm saying? But it would, but it would cause it to geek out you know, and two, that it would be addressed and commanded to be gone and separate from people. And they're like, what is this? They've, they've never seen authority. There was no authority in the place of worship. So the demons just ran through it unchecked. And um, people were actually surprised when there was actual power. But Jesus is coming out of the wilderness as something different. Amen. 
the new creature. And I love that. I, I personally have been meditating on this this past week or two. And um, for some reason, it's been so profound. And I won't go into it because it's really in, in me right now. But that 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new cre- creation. Creation sounds a little softer, but the word's creature right there. You know what I mean? It makes us sound kind of like an, a bunch of aliens or something. You know, um, The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. It's like anybody who's in Christ is now something different. What Adam was as created in the, in the beginning, now there's a new, there's a second Adam or first forerunning being, person, and that's the new creation, and we are all inside of him. We're something different. And the people are seeing that contrast, like they will see in your life, the people that know you, and like, something's something changed here. This, doesn't, this isn't the way the thing works normally. But I love that he comes instantaneously and he starts disrupting what we had accepted as, as our religious worship experience. We got an excited worship experience for you today. I would love for you to come to the Tyler House of Faith. You know, you, know, you see commercials like that, you know what I mean? No, not from us. But, you know, you see it. But it's like the worship experience was just like, this, this, is, a different, this is different than what we've been programmed to accept. Amen. This is different. What is this guy's deal, you know? And I love it. So he cast the guy out and all this, you know, that's, or the demon out of the guy. Um, it says, as soon as they come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife, this is, you know, gets his name changed to Peter, right? But Peter's wife, his mother-in-law, was laying sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. Like, hey, so, you know, my, she's in bad health. She's, she's not doing well. It says, so Jesus in verse 31 comes and he takes her by the hand and lifts her up and immediately the fever leaves her. She starts serving them. So it's just like, here's something that doesn't happen. This is, uh, those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. This is a place that was not expecting some, a revival to happen or something miraculous. And this dude wants to show and come rent a house there. You know, Jesus, you know what I mean? Somebody that nobody knew who he was. All of a sudden he's showing up and now he's like, here, just, just, he just picks her up. He doesn't say he prayed for her, laid hands on her, nothing. Just like, hey, come on up. And, and in the process of her, him actually grabbing her hand and lifting, you know, helping her up, it's, it's like she's out of something that she was in. Yes, Lord. And so they're just like, what is this guy's deal? You know what I mean? This is the new creature. This is, this is something different. And he's demonstrating this stuff to us. He's, he's been hidden for 30 years. No one's known much about him. He came in into the picture as a 12-year-old. We have some of those writings. Mary obviously knew some stuff about him, you know, because at the, at the, the wedding, do, do whatever he says. So they, there was obviously stuff going on really behind closed doors, but by and large, this, he was completely hidden from being anything other than just a regular person, you know. But he is called the firstborn of many brethren. So everything he's doing, he's doing as a person who's stepping into the new covenant as a new creature and not as God but he's actually fully God. That's that's strange, you know what I mean? But this isn't God doing powerful things. It is, but it's a person doing powerful things by the spirit of this new covenant, this dove, this ghost that comes down upon him. And he demonstrates that even in his words, talking to the guys in the third person. The son of man must blah, 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 blah. It's like, what'd you just say? It's like somebody else is talking about you all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, well, somebody on the outside. You know, he's, he's demonstrating what it looks like to walk with God on the inside of you, empowered to set people free. Amen. He's in the religious system. 
messing things up instantly. Not even messing things up. Shaking up minds and pulling people, pulling demons out of people and freeing people. Then he's in social settings or even in his own house because he ends up renting a place or right near it. And, and, and you know, he's, he's there and he's doing the same thing behind closed doors in his relationships with, amongst his people. It's just like there, there is no walls or bounds to the ministry of this guy. He comes and takes her by the hand. But it says, at evening that night, in verse 32, when the sun had set, they brought him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Wow. Um, sounds like there was a lot of people. It says, and he healed many who were sick with diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they actually knew him. Being recognized by darkness far before people recognize who you are. That's a real thing. That's, that's, that was my life coming to the Lord. And probably many of yours. Um, but it's not, we're not doing that today. Um, but it's like, you know. So here he is. He, so that night, excuse me, and I love that because it's like, that day was a Sabbath, so he taught there. And then, and, you know, they have rules and regulations. They're only allowed to dra- travel a certain number of steps in the day they can only go a certain distance so he goes back to the place where he's staying everybody's hearing about it in their individual zones this thing happened in the synagogue hey hey you know uh bruno that's you know bruno gosh that's in my head <laughs> these days because of my daughters hey you know bruno like you know how he was kind of like like yo yo he started freaking out man he started freaking out talking in a bunch of other voices it was strange and, and that new rabbi just, whew, he extracted whatever that thing was. And Bruno's, he's Bruno now. Amen. And so this is like, people are just like, just, this is one, this thing has been triggered. No one even knows what happened with Peter's mother-in-law. But everybody's heard this on their Sabbath and on their Sabbath travels back into their homes. And now it's like all the neighborhoods, everything. Everybody's coming to this door like, hey man. He hooked up Bruno, like maybe he'll cut, you know, he helped, he helped with me, you know what I'm saying? And so, anyhow, yeah, Bruno, right? So he's got this big crowd of people and he starts moving through them. He starts, but I love it says in the evening when the sun was setting, they came to him at night and it's like, you know, they had rules. So can you imagine this? There's a healer in town. There's a rabbi. It's of God. So it's not demonic. Um, but we want to go to him, but because of God's rules, we can't go to him. So we'll wait until God allows us to leave our house and then we'll go to him, you know, but now we, now we're seeing this from a different lens of how backward this is like that the religious constraints that were on people thinking they knew God and God's rules against them were holding them back from actually connecting to God. Because we we read the we we've read the whole book, you know. We've seen John fall down like a dead man. Like I'm the I, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I'm I'm inside and outside of time, you know. Behold, I was dead. I'm alive again. You know what I'm saying? We have the we hear the voice like the, you know the multitude of waters. We see Jesus like oh my gosh, John's having a mental breakdown in a sense because he's realizing Jesus, my best friend, is not only the Son of God, he's actually God somehow and and he's the word who was with god and was god and like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know he's having this thing but we've already seen all this 
We've seen all this, so we know we're watching this movie. We're watching little Anakin Skywalker racing pods, you know, back in the day. We know, like, he's going to be bad someday. You know, he's going to be Darth Vader someday, right? You know, we're watching this like that, except he's not going to be bad. It's like, that's actually God. This is amazing. These fishermen, they don't know he's God. They think he's something, but man, people don't know he's in the temple. You know what I mean? They're like waiting on God's rules, or they're feeling like they're so constrained by their religious customs and beliefs that it's holding them back from come to God. So when the, when the, instead of there being a steady flow of people going to him, it's like they all are waiting. And then all of a sudden at night, the sun, they're like, is that sundown? Everyone's peering out the west window talking about it. It's down. Let's go. <laughs> bring little Timmy. Bring, you know, they're hobbling over there to get to this guy. He's something. There's something. This ain't, this is different. You know? Yeah, man, whoever. And, and, I love that. Um, it's just so interesting to me. It's just so interesting to me. Just the, the, the prerequisites that we put on ourselves from God towards us are things we've, we've superimposed on him towards ourselves, but they're not there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the prerequisites and the, the hoops that we have to jump through, all these religious things, these are things that we've taken upon ourselves through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he doesn't place upon us. Right. Our sins as far as the east is from the west in his mind. You know what I'm saying? Everything we once were in Adam even, he's actually placed on his cross, Colossians 1. And so this whole thing is completely finished to him. Amen. You know, And I think that, we talk about the year of freedom, man. That is where freedom is. Freedom comes from knowing how accepted and covered and loved you are by God. And so there's not that, yeah, but question in our minds because that yeah but between us and God bleeds into our life and into all of our relationships into the confidence that we're called to walk and manifest in the kingdom you know and that's just what that is but but he's already just taken away at this and he's trying not to become famous right because if the rulers of this world would have known they would have never crucified the Lord of glory and all this you know we we, we know these things now because we've seen episode you know nine or whatever you know, but, you know, it's, it's like back in the day, they're, they're figuring these things out, but Jesus is strategically dismantling all of these things in front of these people. But I love that. They came when the sun was setting, but it says, Now in the morning, having, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. This is Mark uh, 135. And so Simon and those who were with, they were actually searching for him. They're like, hey, they, they went and found him. Hey, hey, everybody's looking for you because now it's daytime. We're not on the Sabbath. Like, it's free reign. Now you're even more famous. They're coming after you, you know. But Jesus says, hey, let's go into the next towns that I can preach there also for this purpose I've come. Like, I don't want to stay in one place too long. Let's, let's move around a little bit. <laughs> let's move around a little bit and keep, shake things up a little bit. But I love that because it's like, man, if they came at night, when the sun was going down and he woke up and he left a long time before the sun came up. It's like, man, he, he went straight from being with them out into the wilderness. It's like, that's a tough gig. You know, you know, when you speak a message at a church, a lot of times it takes stuff out of you because you're feeling and sensing all the stuff that's in the room. You prepare all this stuff. It's just an interesting vibe, but not to him apparently because he's like, Hey, don't you need to rest and go to bed? Like, nah, I'm going to go out in the, in the woods in the middle of the night. But I love that because that word, that solitary place, it's, it's really, eremos, it's, it means it's the same as wilderness. It's where John was baptizing in that eremos, in the wilderness, you know what I'm saying? And the Spirit drove Jesus into the eremos, into the wilderness. So like, 
here he goes going back and forth out of this thing. And we're like, oh, you know, you know, we can religiousize and think, well, I'm just in a real religious uh, or, a, or, or a wilderness season of my life. You know, I'm just really hoping God's going to give me this big platform of, of powerful ministry. But I'm in a wilderness season right now working some stuff out. But Jesus doesn't seem to think like he was in a wilderness season. That's the place he went to creep out to every chance he got. He's like creeping out there for some reason. And finally they find him, which he must have been kind of drifting back towards home or whatever. And they're like, hey, man, where are you? Where did you sleep last night? Anyways, where have you been? Like, there's a lot of people at the house. Like, you know, let's let's get this thing popping, dude. And he's like, well, I don't really want to get it popping right per se right here right now. Like, why don't we go to some other places? Let's move around a little bit. We, we don't need to stay in one place too long. And um, yeah, and it's just interesting. It's just like the wilderness. What do we see from the wilderness? Goodness, five weeks of it, you know. But what do we see from the wilderness? It's like it's the place of identity. They came out of being slaves into being sons, princes, kings and princes of, you know, uh, uh, of the Lord. Sons, Israel, the name, you know, just like sons, prince with God, royalty, inheritors, all, all these beautiful things. It's identity, but, but, but the main thing about the wilderness is the one who was out there. And it was him. It was God. The cloud covered them by day. The, 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 the fire um, hovered over them in the night. You know what I'm saying? Like the manna, which was him, rained from, from, from out of heaven and, and fed them. The rock which followed them was Christ. And what is that? That's like, that's like actually God's, uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> but, you know, it's like the rock was Christ, the water that was poured out between them. And, uh, you know, it's just like all these different things, like God was with them in the very middle, in the tabernacle, really, to where all the people were surrounded. He was with them. And Jesus is stepping in and outside of this place, which the wilderness is the place of the unseen, and he's actually with. He's in the spirit. Like, and, and these guys have a right to say, like, what are you doing out there anyways? Because every time he goes out there and then he comes back, something crazy pops off. It's almost all the time. In this situation, something crazy had already popped off, but he just came out of the wilderness. Then he goes into the wilderness. The, the guys find him. And on the way going to another town, it says a leper comes to him, imploring him, kneeling down and saying, hey, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This is our theology of who Jesus is right here. Because this is the reason this is, this is written there. It says Jesus in Mark 141 moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched the guy, which was illegal to touch a leper or for a leper to, to approach somebody without covering his mouth and shouting from a large distance. But he heard the same things that had happened that everybody else was going to his house. And he was like, well, dang, if he's doing that, then all these people come into Peter's house and it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta make my way to this guy. Granted, I'd probably get stoned, but I'm gonna die anyways, you know? But his question isn't like, if you have the power, he says, if you're actually willing. So here's the heart of God manifest to this guy. Like, I'm, I'm willing, the way that's really there is like, I'm willing with my whole heart. I'm fully and completely in agreement and willing that you would be made whole. And he actually puts his hand on this guy. And it happens instantly. And it's just like his body parts that were fixing to fall off actually are all joint, you know, this, this crusty leprosy that's on him is healed and it's just... And the disciples' minds have got to be being blown as ours are supposed to be. And it's just like this stuff is happening for them and they're seeing something that's brilliant happen. But Jesus is going in and out of this unseen realm, this secret place, back and forth, the wilderness once again. He strictly warned the guy not to tell anybody, but the guy, you know, how do you keep something like that secret? 
see that you don't tell anybody, just go to your, show yourself to the priest as a cleansing, you know, and, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses, the stuff that's in the law that's commanded. And um, it says, however, he went out and began to proclaim freely. <laughs> you know what I mean? How can you not, dude? I was about to die. He was too fired up. Do you think Jesus knew that he was going to not listen to him? Yeah. Please try to keep this down low. I know you won't because you're really fired up. But please try. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is going to cost me way more than it costs you. But that's how willing I actually am that you're made whole. You know what I mean? That's just the heart of God. Yes. He is the, you know, what does Colossians 2 say? He is the fullness of the Godhead embodied. Amen. It's like, what is that? Dude? I mean, I mean, this is God walking around. You know what I mean? And it's like, obviously we know Godhead's actually not really in the Bible. But it means he's the fullness of deity embodied. Is what that word means. He's the fullness of everything God is. Colossians 2.9. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him is the fullness of deity embodied. This is God's heart towards people. Even though I know you're going to cause this, cause me a little bit of a hard time, I cannot resist but giving life because that's all that I do. That's all that I am. That's all that God is. And so there's something to see there, you know. There's something to see him as he is and it transforming us and removing these these little, these little prerequisites that we've stashed in our, our minds of why we're not acceptable to Him. Amen. So that we come with Him, even if we're dealing with things, and we actually deal with those things yes. instead of going deaf to them, you know. And so anyhow, He, he does that. However, He, he became it free, began to proclaim it freely so Jesus couldn't any, any longer openly enter that city. And so He was outside in the there it is again, deserted places. That's the wilderness. That's that same exact word. And they came to him from every direction. So make way in the wilderness for the kingdom of heaven is at hand is happening over and over again. He goes out into the secret place and it's like he gets to the point where people start going out there. It's like we don't know what this guy's doing, but we know every time he comes back from this unseen place, he does wild things. So I think the question is like, Hey, what's going on out there? We've demonized the place, but it's not a bad thing. This is the unseen realm. This is the place of communion and relationship where identity and authority is established and released. And here he is going to it. He takes his guys to pray with him. What, twice? Once, Moses shows up. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, James and John, Peter, James and John, like that's, that's gotta be Moses. And they might have heard them talking, like, hey, Moses, I don't know. Like, that's Moses. You know what I mean? Because they didn't have pictures of him back then. They're comic books. You know what I mean? They, that's just like, that's Moses right there. And then Elijah, you know, probably has some long dreadlocks or some crazy looking Elijah walking. Like, oh, my gosh, some real intense look on his face. And they went on a prayer trip with him once up the mountain. That's what they saw, you know? Crazy. The, uh, shoot, the other time he's sweating blood. The Mount of Olives. He's sweating blood, but what comes up to him and helps, helps him give, give strength to him? Angels. So they're on another prayer trip with him there, and what's happening? So we think prayer is just like praying our list in our closet. You know what I mean? It's just like, sounds like it's entering into another domain, dimension that is unseen. Uh, you know, God who is spirit. 
<coughs> excuse me, those who worship him do so in spirit and truth. You know, and it's like, <clears throat> here they, they're getting to tag along, and it's like, he bring them out into the wilderness, like, well, shoot, they don't got nothing to eat. Well, give them something to eat. Well, I can't. Well, well, I can. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he takes them out and does these demonstrations in the wilderness. Like, hey, there's obviously something more to this place. And it's the representation of like, hey, he's bringing them out of the mindset of powerlessness and of the systems of this world that we think we have safety in and showing them a different way to walk, but it's very empowered. And whether he's like, traveling out of town and, the, and it's a leper you know what I'm saying or he's in the house with the family and it's somebody there or it's in the church scene you know in the synagogue you know what I mean he's he's never not bearing the fruit of heaven itself because he's no longer simply Adam like he's he's living as this new creation Amen. a new creature the, what we're actually supposed to see and, and model Amen. the very next thing I will close with this probably, but it's just like Jesus literally, it's like we talked about like uh, John 2. That was a few weeks, you know, six weeks ago, probably and maybe eight. And it was like, this was the beginning of signs. So Jesus comes out and he does the wedding trick, right? And he does that for like, you know, um, the six water pots of stone representing the, the number of man, six, the man created on the sixth day, the, the hearts of stone, Ezekiel. You know, all, all 36, 26, all these you know, parabolic things for the, for the wedding feast. And he transformed that. And this was the beginning of signs. Well, now he gives another sign in Mark, in Mark 2. And this is Mark's first sign that I feel like he gives as the new creation. First, he's coming out and we're watching his life. And he's just demonstrating these abilities and these things where he's reversing. It says the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, which I love that verse. And so here he is destroying the devil's works in all these different stories, going in and out of the wilderness. But then he comes back to the house where, you know, Peter's um, mother-in-law had been healed or whatever. He says he comes back to Capernaum, or at least to one of the houses he rented from Peter in that same area, after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. So whatever he did, this had been a little bit of time, and now he's coming back. To Capernaum where he first came and you know the, the demon you know what do we call him Bruno Bruno got healed you know and all these different things happened and then everybody came to the house so now he's back in the house and and then the, everybody finds out he's back we don't know where he's been but he's back and so it starts to happen and it says many gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them not even near the door and he preached the word to them then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And man, this is a nice, this is such a pretty story, man. And, but it's such a parabolic story, the way this is set up. He's coming back to this town He's, he's back in there. This time he's teaching. It's obviously got enough room for there to be a large amount of people there. Maybe it's the house. Maybe it's the courtyard. Um, maybe all the above of these different things. And so Jesus is, is there with them. And excuse me, I got to keep trying to lose my voice. But these guys come and they, they let 
themselves down because there was no way for them to get in. And honestly, the guy was paralyzed, so he couldn't walk. He, he was being carried on some sort of bed by its four corners by four different people. And their bright idea was to actually break through a roof in order to drop the guy down, which is such a crazy thing. Can you imagine we're sitting here in a crowd of people and the roof starts cracking open dust and then somebody gets lowered down? You know, it's just, it's pretty rude to be honest, but kind of out of bounds. Um, what it would be like, you, you're willing to destroy somebody's property in order to get to the guy. And so, you know, who, who knows what the, what the, what the first line's going to be like, what in the heck are you doing? What's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? You know what I'm saying? But they, they lower this guy, he's probably covered in dust and everyone's probably just like backing up. Like, what are you doing, man? And, and Jesus looks to him and calls him son for one. It's like, dude, you're 30 years old. You're not even that old. But he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And this man is, yeah, you know, it's, it's hyper controversial. Right. You know, cause like, I don't remember this. Maybe this was, you know, we think, well, maybe we was given an altar call to come and repent. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe, uh, maybe all these different things, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. It doesn't, doesn't really say much there, but he just gets lowered down and that's your first line. But it says the power of the Lord in one of the other translations says the power of the Lord was actually present there to heal, to heal them. Those who were there. And who was there was there was the religious leaders were all in the house. And so you have all these Pharisees, Sadducees, you know, teachers or whoever that's there um, in this packed place listening to Jesus, really trying to, they're trying to vibe like, is this guy the real deal or not? Like, really, how can we discredit what's going on here? Um, but Jesus says something so controversial before the guys even repented. And it's just like, your, son, your sins are forgiven. It says some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. In other words, this was really, that bothered them. That was a trigger. Why does he speak blasphemies like this? Like that's the highest level of going, you're blaspheming, man. Um, who can forgive sins but God? He's the only one that can forgive sins. This is ridiculous. All these thoughts in their mind, verse 7. It says in verse 8, But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. He said, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic that your sins are forgiven or to say arise and take up your bed and walk. But that you guys can know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said, he turned to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose and took up his bed and started walking to his house. And um, it says, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying we, we never saw anything like this. Talking about like, hey, is this some new doctrine or something? Like, yeah, no, this is, um, this is, this is a new creature. And so are you, you know. And I love that story, but here's Jesus. It's just, it's almost like a historical writing that Peter's doing here, or Mark's doing, but Peter's, it's his stories, I believe. So Peter's telling Mark these stories, and he's, Talking about when he first came to when he first came to my house and my mother-in-law was sick, this is what he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like first we were in the synagogue and that happened. Then we went to my house and my mother-in-law was sick. And did this. Then he disappeared overnight, which was strange. Um, but then he comes back and then there's a leper. By the time we made it back to my house again, so that's how you know this is this is th that guy. 
we're there and it's so packed. There's a bunch of the religious leaders there. And, and all of a sudden, dude, there starts to dust and it starts to crumble. And like somebody's breaking through the roof of my house. And it's these four guys laying a paralytic down in the middle of the set of the, of the groove, man. And it's just like, this is crazy, you know. But his first line triggers the Pharisees. Hey, buddy, your sins are forgiven you. But he knew it would trigger them and he was there to trigger them. So this is, goes from a historical writing to Jesus painting a picture for all of us to see. Just like, just like the, the, the wedding in Cana, the beginning of signs. This was a sign. This was something totally different that he was painting a picture. And you've probably heard me say this though. Here's a paralytic. Someone with no strength of his own to actually come to God was brought to God Amen. by four men. I believe they were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four corners of this bed. Those are the four guys, you know what I mean? But it's a parable of that reality. You know, it's the four living creatures, the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. That's what this is. That's at the throne of God. This is, this is a viewpoint of, of all these into the throne room of heaven, into the heart of God. And there he is sitting on his throne in a house. You know what I mean? The ancient one, you know, like God, the I am, like he says, before Abraham was, I am. They weren't realizing that's him. Nobody can even forgive sins but God. Like, hey, listen, like the son of man is God and that's what he's here to do. And guess what? No strength of his own. They were layered. They were, they were brought through that roof by these four, the gospels, the gospel itself. And that's what it is. It's like you've been brought into the very face of who God is. You know what I mean? Not by yourself, but by the gospel, by this reality. And we see this reality. We see these four books. It's like a four-sided cube or cylinder or something. We're looking at all these angles of the heart of God. Like, I'm wholeheartedly desiring that your leprosy is gone, even though it's going to cost me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like fully, we're seeing his heart. We're seeing his person. And in that, we're seeing our dad. Because he's like, son, your sins are forgiven. And he's going backwards in front of their face. Your sins are forgiven. Remember, he, what did he say when he took communion? He takes the bread. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. I'm going to inherit all the demonic darkness that you inherited from the fall in my own body so that you no longer have to accept it. And then he said, this is the cup of my new covenant. This is my blood which is actually shed for you. You know what I'm saying? Do this in remembrance of me. And so here Jesus is, he's even doing that backwards. He's doing the cup first. He's saying, you're actually forgiven. You're fully forgiven. And then when it triggers them, which was, you know, spring the trap, that's the goal. I want it to come out of your heart so that you can see that it's contrary to me. Because then when you see me, you'll realize it's actually contrary to you as well. It's not your real nature. So when he springs their offense, what does he do? He says, what's easier? To, to forgive sins, for, for me to forgive sins, or to, or to heal. And to them, it'd be like, both are impossible. Both of those things are impossible. Oh, rise and get up, take up your mat, and walk this thing out. Walk it in front of all of their face so they can see that this is real. So people trapped in that religious system were like, that's changed, that's real, that wasn't there before, that's different. And he was, he was, he was breaking it open. You know what I'm saying? It was like the gospel and new Christian, real Christianity is called, called to be completely and totally transformative. Amen. You know, And it's not, hey, you're going to go to hell if you die. 
like, what even is that? Where did that come from? Like, that's how we're going to get people in our church. It's like, it's like, that's just so crazy and not biblical. You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that it never was that. It was like, hey, this has happened. This is this transformation. The advertisement is is actually what's happening. How do you advertise? You know, you guys owned a gym for a while. How would you advertise a gym? Like, would you would you just show people that are dying from diabetes and and COPD and all that? This is what happens if you don't come to our gym. This is what happens if you don't come to our gym. This is people with sedentary lifestyle. This is what happens. It's like, whoa! Or what would you do? Would you take the people who have transformed their life from drastically unhealthy to healthy and be like? This is, this is the best advertisement there is. Yeah. The stall-fed calves which leap forth, that's, that's, that, that is what we are called to be. People that live above the, the, the climate of this world in the reality of heaven on the earth, and people want what you have is making disciples. Because you can tell, teach, point them to the source. You know, Unless you're corrupt, full of selfish ambition, you'll try to point them to yourself. But if you are, you will never walk in the full freedom of what this is about. Uh, you know, and so it's just like, you know, these priests are going in and out of the tabernacle, just like he's going in and out of the wilderness and Jesus is doing everything backwards. How about this? If you can see this in the wilderness, if you've been here for a long time, you'll catch it. Uh, you probably will too. Maybe uh, here it is. Right. right? That might've been offensive. I didn't mean to be condescending. What I'm saying is this in the wilderness was the tabernacle, the tent of me, the tent where God would meet the place of atonement. On the outside of this tent, which is similar in size to the actual inside, maybe to this church building, maybe a little smaller even, but it was about the same height, 15 foot. But on the outside was an altar where an animal sacrifice would happen, and, and there was a laver, which was like a, a round, kind of like a sink, but without plumbing. It was just water in it, you know? And on the inside of the laver was glass on the inside of it from, from Egypt, some of the spoil of Egypt, you know what I'm saying? This beautiful laver that on the inside was glass, and so the priests would actually sacrifice the atonement the blood sacrifice and they would clean themselves in that labor and when they would the 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 blood would come off their hands kind of graphic right you know what i'm saying but they would see the, the mirror the glass that was from egypt and they would actually see their face through the reflection of the blood so they saw themselves different right and then they would go into the tabernacle and inside of the tent represented the relationship of god that we're talking about today it was the showbread was there the the which is a representation of the Word of God. And, and there, there was the menorah in there, the, the candle, the seven candlesticks, right? You guys seen those pictures, right? And the only way that they could even eat some of the bread that was in there, which represented eating the manna of heaven and, and the Word of God itself, was that there was light in there they could see by the menorah, the sevenfold Spirit of God, the seven spirits of God as they knew. And so God's Spirit would illuminate the Word. And this is Jesus coming into the temple and they're like, he's doing, he's reading the Bible to them or the Torah to them in the Old Testament, you know? And they're like, he's not like the scribes. Because all of a sudden, it's not like we're just eating words and just whatever. Like this thing is illuminated to we're understanding what it's saying. Yeah. This is working, man. Yeah. And then there's intercession in there because then there was a, there was incense that they had to, that they had to light in there. Yeah. So which represented the prayers of the saints, you know what I'm saying? And so there's all the giftings of the spirit were in the holy place of the tabernacle. And then in the back, then there was a big curtain and you'd go into the back and it was the, um, the Ark of the Covenant, right? And with the angels facing each other on the top of it, you won't see me until you see blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, looking at each other, like you'll see me and each other. And so there's the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant was in the back and only the high priest could go in there once a year, you know what I'm saying? And so you have all, which represented heaven, heaven itself, the most holy place. 
But Jesus, who is God, just like he told Nicodemus, no one has ascended but he who descended. That is the Son of Man who's actually in heaven and on earth right now, right? John 3. So Jesus is in heaven, the holiest place. And instead of like the priests go through the front, sacrifice, cleansing, go in, gifts of the Spirit, go into the back, you know, all these symbolic things. He comes out of heaven. He came out of that room, the holiest place. Then he moved into the holy place and ministered in those things. He's teaching the people in the temples and stuff like this isn't like the scribes. It's like, right, it's illuminated. He's lit it up. And there's, in, there's incense in there. There's, there's, this, there's this atonement. There's this covering, this prayer for people that actually is powerful and real. You know what I'm saying? And then he comes outside, right? And that's where he was crucified as a sacrifice that's out there. You know what I mean? But here's Jesus doing everything backwards. You know what I mean? He's just coming backwards through the whole thing. The, 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 I think as Hebrews calls it a shadow of things to come. Everything's flipped from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So here's God. I hope that didn't lose at least 50%. I mean, I hope I'm clear. It's not that you're not smart enough to follow. It's that I know that I talk fast and throw a bunch of information more than people are probably used to or maybe even want to hear. But uh, he, here he comes reverse. You know what I'm saying? He comes reverse out of heaven into the world doing these things. And now we're seeing him do something else backwards. Which one is easier to say? You know, it's like, I forgave him. Oh, well, then he's healed. But how, how many other people did he heal without you? Like he didn't repent. What do you mean you forgave him? Could it be that he was crucified before the foundations of the earth and his forgiveness was merely being manifested through Jesus? Well, that's controversial. It doesn't matter because that's how he operated the whole time. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a universalist. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, oh, well, no one will even go to hell and da-da-da-da, you know, all these different things. And That's not what that is. It's the grace of God manifesting himself, and people will have a choice to unite to what he's done by faith or not to. There's that. Always going to be that. But here's Jesus doing these reverse order things and these backward things, and it's blowing everybody's mind. But he sits down in this house, and in this house, he's just painting an, a scene for all of us to see. It's just strategic, man. The four, the paralytic, not by his own strength. Breakthrough in the mind, right? Isn't that what Colossians 1.21 says? You were once alienated and enemies of God in your mind by wicked works. Well, sin is separation from God. No, it is not. That's not in the Bible. It is not, you know. You were once alienated in your mind by wicked works. Yet yeah, the veil which he tore, which was his flesh, which tore when he breathed his last breath in Matthew 27, 51, the veil of the temple that was ripped represented the veil between realms. And, and, and the reality of this is that we step into this secret place relationship with God through his forgiveness that's already been established on our end. And all we have to do is enter into it by faith. We just have to believe it. And by that, I mean like we just have to take advantage of it. It's there freely for us. All the prerequisites are ours. Well, I'll come to them when the, when the sun goes down just to make sure my bases are covered. It's like, no, don't do that. Don't think that way. You know, because even that is thinking through the... You know what I mean? Come on, learn to talk, dude. Gee, man, dude. Do this for a living? Um... But yeah, this is my body. Why is it reverse order? We're already forgiven, and this was the visual demonstration and the proof of the reality of what he's stepping us into. Mm. That's good. All you have to do is look at it. Kind of like that bronze and serpent. Just, just look at it. Would you look at that? Just look at it. Yeah. 
The Jews believed that not only death, but all disease was the consequence of sin. That's true. It came in through that sin. They believe that there is no death without sin, nor any chastisement without iniquity, and that no diseased person could be healed of his disease until his sins were blotted out. So still, there had to be a root of knowledge of good and evil. Why is he in the condition that he's in? But our Lord, as usual, appeals to their uh, perceived opinions and asserts his high dignity by first forgiving the sins and then healing the body of the paralytic. Here's proof that I've forgiven you. Get on up. Yeah. Let's see if any of these points work. There's a common thing. People felt like they, they were somehow held back from coming to him. Prerequisites are things we set, not him. Disqualification is a lie. It does not exist with him. You know. There has to be a breakthrough of that mind. We were once alienated enemies in our, in our mind. But that's the breakthrough through the roof. It comes through. And our, and our mind and our hearts have been hardened. But these four, they, the four paralytic carrion gospels actually break through it. it. It breaks through it. So much of the Old Testament, we've talked about 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about how the Old Testament was read through the veil of Moses, and so they don't perceive who God is. 2 Corinthians 3, 14, 56, and we talking about that. But it's the same with even all the Apostle Paul's writings, especially Romans, and you know, it's the same in those things. We can read those things with the veil without seeing who the God of these four Gospels truly is, seeing his heart, seeing his essence, because he is the fullness of the embodied God, you know, when he manifested that to us. Subsequent point, the wilderness. Mm. It's a relational place. He's in and out of the secret place and everything. Every time he comes out, he comes out swinging, and that's, that's us. Our relationship is where our anointing is found. It doesn't matter if somebody maybe special lays hands on you or something. That could be good, I guess. I don't, I don't get with that too much. But I think what I, what I do get with is the level of relationship we're walking in with him pours from our life like a river of living water. And that's anointing. Because then it's like, then we're not walking around talking like scribes trying to convince people of something. And they're just like, well, I guess I'll just threaten them with hell because I'm not getting through to them. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the old way. It's not even the old way. It's a demonic way. You know what I mean? But Jesus' way is entirely different. We're called to walk in this level of wholeness like the paralytic learned by seeing him as he is. But in seeing him as he is, just like the, the, the um, what's it called? Leprosy. Just like the guy of leprosy, we won't be able to keep it to ourselves. When he touches us, when, when our life is touched by him, like, like when Jesus said to go and make disciples, like our life, we should be making disciples. And it's not like we're going to pass out tracts as a church or we're going to go to the playground and do all this. You know, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm not against that or whatever. It's just not, I, I kind of just don't. Uh, uh, <laughs> we are called to be so transformed by seeing him yeah. that our life has changed and people actually want what we have. Amen. You know what I'm saying? that we see people through another lens. We start to see the Bible without the veil. We see God without a veil, it transforms us. But then we see our brothers and sisters that we've never met in the world without the veil. You know what I mean? And we're effective. And that's being fruitful and multiplying. That's what disciples are. They're making people that want to follow him. 
Yeah. Why? Because I have to have this discipline and I have to change my life. It's like, no, 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 because, because you will want to. You will want to. And the voice, I believe, is still calling in the wilderness make way. But the wilderness has, has been a term that's been, in a sense, demonized, or at least it's been made negative. Yeah. It's just like the voice is calling in the secret place, in the place of here and now, in, the, in time and space, in empty space, make room for the kingdom of heaven, for the king of heaven. And he will come in through it. And we'll find ourselves, not just one or two, like imagine our whole body being like God, that are just like the priests were in the Old Testament. They, Jesus went backwards. They would have to go through, do the sacrifice, washing, go in, minister. Then they'd have to come out and minister before the people. Jesus came from the backside, which was really the front side, came all the way out to the people, made atonement for them. You know what I'm saying? But imagine these, these analogies that he said, like in John 1, like you will see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's like, this is, he is that tabernacle and we are the messengers that he's talking about. We're going to go in and we're going to go out. In the wilderness, out of the wilderness. Into heaven, out of heaven. In relationship, out of heaven. And it's all parabolic. It doesn't mean you have to run off every, you know, but it's like get to this place where we are in and out of the things of heaven. We are delivering heaven into the earth. Our Father. Son, your sins are forgiven to our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come from there and your will be done. That's happening there on the earth the way it's happening there. Yeah. Let us be the agents of that. Yeah. That's what he's doing. And that's what we're called to do. Our eyes are called to be off ourselves. You know? But when we see how much he's loved and covered us, that guy, his eyes were off himself. You know, talk about a party foul. You just broke the roof. You know what I mean? It's okay. I don't hold that against you. Not only that, you're forgiven. I completely cover you. I allow you to be here. Even though you came in in the most inappropriate way, I needed this demonstration. It's going to work great. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah, dude. And now I'm going to, you, I'm going I'm to let your life be a demonstration to all these people who are stuck in lifeless religion. Let it trigger their hearts. It's okay. Don't worry when you get cornered. I'll give you the words to say. You know what I'm saying? People are scared of that. People walk this life and they feel the pressure of the religious that come around. Well, you're a sinner, right? You know you're still a sinner, right? You know, they get into all these religious debates and, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. It's like, trust me, if you're, if you're walking with him, you'll have the words to say. And sometimes it's not even words, it's your life. It's a reality. So, Lord, we thank you for your reality. We ask that it would manifest and trump every bit of the reality of this plastic world that we would be the, the messengers that you've called us to be, entering into the things of the Spirit and of heaven, led by your Spirit, manifesting and ministering in the gifts of your Spirit, Lord, that we would be those who ascend and descend upon you and through you, through your covenant, as new creatures of this new covenant and manifestors of this in order to profoundly, profoundly um, impact the world around us and everywhere we're at. Amen.